Well, good morning. As Scott mentioned this morning, uh, John and Lindsay and the kids are getting a little vacation in uh, in San Diego. John had asked me to teach uh, this morning a few weeks ago, and uh, the last minute they got an opportunity to go and, and have some family time, and we're very happy that they were able to do that. John senses love. Um, he misses the body so much when he's not here, but it's also awesome. He gets a chance to have some special time with his family. Um, I'm very humbled to be here to be able to teach this morning. It's, uh, you know, teaching God's Word is, is, uh, is a humbling responsibility, and uh, I appreciate so much the prayers. My, the last couple of days, my phone has, has lit up with uh, text messages of encouragement, people telling me they're praying for me, and um, I'm, I'm just really humbled by the love that this body has showed me as I'm preparing this message. So... You know, it's a funny thing to you remember. You have remembrances from your childhood, and how those remembrances can affect your life. When I was twelve years old, I had just moved, just been promoted at church into the seventh grade, which put me into youth and no longer children's Sunday school. So I thought I was big stuff. Me, four foot six, probably eighty pound Steve thought he was big stuff. You know, I was quite the adult at this point in time. And I had just recently become a Christian. I had just recently put my trust in 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 Christ, but I didn't fully quite grasp everything of what that meant. I knew I was gonna go to heaven. And I knew that being a Christian should affect my life. I should not be the same person that I was before. But my understanding was still developing. I was still very much in that sanctification phase of which we all are still in our sanctification phase. But I was very much at the beginning of that for me. And so, as I said, I was now in the youth group, and I, I distinctly remember, I, I can, it's like I have a video in my head of walking into the room, and we sit down, and we sing this song that I had never heard before. And it, some of you probably know it. It's, it's called, They Will Know We Are Christians by Our Love. It's four small verses and a chorus. And that is stuck in my head for 49 years. For 49 years, I remember this song because I play it in my head every time I get myself in a situation and I think, what should I be doing here? And I love the song. It goes simply, and I'm actually going to sing it because I don't know how to say it without singing it. So, They will know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. Oh, I love that you guys sang with me. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, like I said, I didn't really truly understand what the words meant, but I never forgot that chorus. And over the course of my life, that, cor- that chorus has come to remembrance to me and reminded me what we as Christians are called to be. You know, the word Christian itself means to be Christ-like. And what a better example of humble love do we have than Jesus Christ himself? So as I was studying for today's message, which is on Galatians 6, 1 through 5 over the last two weeks, that chorus kept running through my brain as I considered what it means to be a burden bearer and the many people in my life who have come alongside me to help shoulder burdens over my life and to share the love of Christ to me and to have helped um, mold me and make me more and more into Christ's image. So let's stand together and let's read our text for this morning. 
It's uh, from the book of Galatians, chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. If you don't have a Bible with you, there should be a Bible underneath the chair in front of you. Be sure to grab that and use it. And if you do not own a Bible, feel free to take it with you. We want that to be a gift to you. If you're using one of those Bibles, you'll find Galatians chapter 6 on page 975. So starting with verse 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. This is the word of the Lord. You all may be seated. So the main idea today, for today's message, I hope that you will see that as we uh, work through the, the passage, is Christians are called to bear one another's burdens in a spirit of love and gentleness as Jesus taught and modeled for us. Yeah, it's kind of a long one, I agree. <laughs> Let's say that one again. So you, <laughs> Christians are called to bear one another's burdens in a spirit of love and gentleness, as Jesus taught and modeled for us. There'll be two points in the message today. The first point covering chapter, uh, pardon me, verses one through two, is the call to be a loving and gentle burden bearer. And then the second point will be the call to be a humble burden bearer, which is verses three through five. So let's just jump right in. Well, chapter 6 opens up with a call to the members of the churches in the region of Galatia. So Galatia was a, was a region that is now in modern-day Turkey and Asia Minor. And um, there was a group of churches there. It wasn't, just, it wasn't just one church. There was a whole group of churches there. And these churches have been kind of infiltrated by Judaizers. So these are these are uh, folks who came in who messed with the gospel, so to speak, and said, "No, no, you, it's not just this faith stuff. You also have to become basically a good Jew and have faith in Jesus. So you need to follow the kosher rules. If you're a male, you need to be circumcised. You need to follow the the, the law. You have to, you know, you you can't you can't go more than a certain distance on the Sabbath. You have to follow the Sabbath rules. You have to follow all these other things. And they put this burden on the Gentiles because this was a Gentile area. Put this burden on the Gentiles to basically become Jewish before they even became Christians. And of course, we know that that is not that is not what the gospel is. And, and so Paul, in this letter to the Galatians, is basically defending justification by faith. He is basically saying, no, 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 no. You, that's, that's, that is salvation by works. We don't have salvation by works. We have salvation by faith and faith alone. And so it's interesting that he spends, while he spends most of the book, the first five chapters primarily, defending justification by faith and the freedom we have from the law, 
Then here in chapter 6, he addresses how we as Christians are to bear one another's burdens. I think it's really important to note that it wasn't addressed to the elders of the churches of Galatia. It wasn't addressed to the pastors of the churches of Galatia. It wasn't addressed to the ministry staff. It wasn't addressed to the trained counselors. It wasn't addressed to the really spiritual guys. It wasn't addressed to the graduates of Bible college. It was addressed to brothers. Now, in that era, they would have only addressed it to the men, but that does not mean that this is only a guy's thing here. This was really addressed to the entire church. It was a call to the members of the church. It was just as it is now a call to every Christian. I love how it uses family terminology in, in brother. It could easily have been addressed to the church family. It could have been addressed to friends. could have been addressed to familia. It could have been addressed to all you awesome people out there in Galatia. I mean, it basically is just, it, it's meant to be all-inclusive. It's addressed to everyone. We can easily get caught up in the belief that the work of ministry is something only for church leaders or those so-called superstar Christians. My mother used to refer to those as spiritual giants. I never quite knew who she was talking about, but my mother had some strange little sayings she would do. But we can think we're not worthy. We can think we're ill-equipped. We can think we don't have enough skill. We can think, that's not my calling. I'm called to do something else. I'm not called to bear one another's burdens. But that's not what this text is telling us. It's telling us that ministering to one another, bearing one another's burdens, is something that we as the church are all called to do. And who better to bear one another's burdens than someone that knows you well, someone that you have a relationship with? And we're not a big church here at Redeeming Grace, but there's only three elders, me, Bo, and John. And Bo and I have jobs besides being elders here, and so we don't know everything that's going on. But you have relationships with people, and you know what's going on in their lives. And it's probably best we don't know everything that's going on sometimes because you have this opportunity to minister to them just one-on-one. And that's just where it's so beautiful to see the work of the body together. We don't, it's, it, it, this is not just for, you know, oh, somebody has a burden, go call Steve. <laughs> this, is, this is, we would be in trouble if they did that. But, you know, you have a burden and you share it with your friend from H to H, your person you sit next to every Sunday. And they have a really much better qualified in many respects to come and to bear those burdens for you. It's those natural relationships that we have as we live life together. We build trust. We gain comfort to be able to speak truth to one another. You, as a burden bearer, a just when you're helping someone bear a burden, you basically have a front row seat to what's going on in their life. And you can minister to them in probably a much great, greater way than somebody who doesn't know them as quite as well. In verse 1, we're, Paul was talking primarily about the burden of sin, or as the text calls it, transgression. So we tend to think of burdens as sickness, unemployment, loss of the loved one, loneliness, rejection, the list goes on. And those are burdens, no doubt about it. 
It is something we can look at that a person has been a victim of a situation um, or something that has happened. But whether or not you're the one who has sinned or you're the one that has been sinned against, sin is a burden. It's a big burden. It's a heavy burden. It crushes the joy of our faith. It can cause us to be drugged into guilt and shame and judgment. And we bear the consequences of those sins. Sometimes we even sin and we don't even really quite realize it. Think of the person who has an issue with pride or gossiping. They don't even maybe realize that they're a prideful person or that by sharing this prayer request, they're effectively becoming a gossip. Or the young or immature Christian who hasn't ever been taught the importance of purity in a relationship or why they shouldn't pursue romantic relationships with non-Christians. This is where someone who knows them, who loves them, who has a good relationship with them can easily, more easily, maybe is a better way to say, pull them aside and just have that gentle chat with them. Just, sister, do you realize this? Brother, do you realize this? It, it, there's a trust that's been built, and they can pull someone aside and gently speak to them. They can speak truth to them in a way that they can accept. Correction is never easy to hear, but it's easier to hear from someone you know and someone you trust. As they move through chapter, pardon me, verse 1, Paul directs this to you who are spiritual. But again, we're not talking about some sort of a spiritual superstar or someone who has attained some level of leadership or recognition. But rather, we find the definition of this in chapter 5, verse 16 of Galatians. I just want to flip back a page or so if you want to follow along, where we are told to walk in the Spirit. So what does Paul mean when he refers to walking in the Spirit? Well, I think the first thing to note is if you look at the word Spirit, what does it have? What does it start with? starts with a capital S. That means we're talking about the Holy Spirit. So when he says, you who are spiritual, he's talking about someone who is walking in the power of the Holy Spirit through faith. In other words, anyone who is a true Christian, anyone who has repented of their sins and put their trust in the finished work of the cross. And not in the, in the church, not in anything else, not in their good works, but in Christ's atoning work on the cross. When each of us became born again, when we truly put our faith in Christ, we were filled with the Holy Spirit at that time, and we are made right with God at that moment. It's comforting to know you can never be more right with God than the moment that he saved you. You can never be less right with God than the moment he saved you. That can't be taken away. Doesn't mean you certainly have, certainly doesn't mean that you have everything figured out. As those of us who have walked with the Lord for a long time, we certainly know that. We still have a sin issue, don't we? Doesn't mean you suddenly have no issues with sin. Doesn't mean you have all the answers. But as you begin, but as you begin this process of sanctification, your life begins being molded more and more into the image of Christ. And the process is different for everyone. We all know someone who came to saving grace and almost instantly had a radical change. They had a problem with drugs. They had a trouble with this, and boom, it's just gone. Just bing, no mas. And then we also know the other person who puts their trust in Christ, and then they struggle with these same sins for a long time. It just, it's, it, it changed. It's different for different people. 
But the important thing is that God uses the people in our lives to sanctify and to build us up, to be the ones who come alongside and encourage us, to speak truth to us, to point out the things in our lives that need to change. It's not just pastors or biblical scholars or authors, but friends, co-laborers in the ministry, a fellow member of your house-to-house group, the person who sits next to you at worship service, your Christian friend at work. These are the people that God uses to speak truth into your life, to encourage you, and to walk with you as you grow in Christ. Sin is like a wrecking ball on our life. There are consequences from our sins, and, it, and as it affects us, it oftentimes affects the people around us as well. And so we need to speak truth to one another, but also encourage them to build them up, remind them of the forgiveness we have in Christ. It doesn't stop the day that we put our trust and faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus doesn't say, okay, we're going to wipe out all those sins. Now you've got to take care of your own self going forward. No, it's all your sins from the day you were born till the day you die. And people need to be reminded about that. We need to remind them of the forgiveness we have in Christ. Our forgiveness is for all of our sins, past, present, and future. And we as burden bearers are not only to point out sin, but to walk with one another through repentance and restoration and in dealing with the consequences of those sins. Being a burden bearer is not a 20-minute thing in many cases. It may be a 20-year thing as you walk with this person through life. We are told to restore the person in a spirit of gentleness. So what does restoring and gentleness mean? Well, first, what it doesn't mean is it doesn't mean sugarcoating the truth. It doesn't mean that if you see somebody in sin, you just kind of say, well, you know, maybe you shouldn't be doing that. No, it means you are honest with them. You speak truth to them. But it also, but it does mean that you don't stand in judgment, but with compassion and understanding. And this is where it's really important to understand the gospel is not just for salvation, but for everyday life. The gospel reminds us who we are in Christ. We as Christians are still sinful and flawed people. We only have a standing with God because the Holy Spirit quickened our hearts to understand our need for a Savior. And and we put our trust in the finished work of the cross and not in ourselves. When we come to faith in Christ, we bring nothing to the table but sin and heartache. But Christ took all that on at the cross. And as miraculous as this, as unbelievable as this seems, but he now sees the righteousness of Christ when he looks at us, even as we continue to fight the old man. When we come to a brother or sister in Christ, recognizing this fact and acknowledging that tomorrow, that person that we're maybe talking to about a sin may be coming to us to talk about a sin in our life. They may be coming to speak truth to us. And that should hopefully give us a sense of compassion. We don't ever want to come to a, from a point of superiority or pride because the reality is we have our own sin issues. So while you may not have the same issue your friend has today, You may have an issue tomorrow that the same friend or another friend is going to come and talk to you about. The Old Testament law was a lot of do's and don'ts, wasn't it? The Jewish people believed that if they fulfilled the letter of the law, that they were blameless. 
But I love the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew chapter 5, because Jesus tells us something that's super shocking and was very radical in its day, and still very radical. He tells us this not just what we do, but it's what we think. It's what's going on between our ears and in our heart. He tells us that if we're angry with somebody, we have murdered them in our heart. And if you look upon someone with lust, you have committed adultery in your heart. So basically, he tells us it's not just the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law. When we look at sin this way, it should cause us to not be prideful, but to be humble and thankful and pretty much just amazed at the gift of Christ's substitutionary atonement. The unmerited unmerited favor that we have as Christians who have put our trust in Christ, and that humility and thankfulness should be the hallmark of how we speak to others about their sin. This is what Paul was referring to when he says, keep watch on yourself, lest you too may be tempted. When we are restoring a brother or sister, it could be a temptation to become prideful. Well, sure glad I don't have that sin issue they have. Or to gossip about it. And we have to be careful about that because we can, we can inadvertently gossip by just saying, you really need to pray for so-and-so over here because they have this problem. It's okay to get people to pray for you, but just say, just pray for, just, just pray for Sam. Sam needs some prayer. You don't need to spread people's sin issues out unless we have a really big issue here. Romans 3.23 tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The key word there is all. Even as mature Christians, we still continue to struggle with sin. We're never going to achieve perfection on this side of eternity. So when we help restore a brother or sister, when we talk to them about their sin and help restore them, we should praise God for the forgiveness that we have through the work of the cross and be humbled that we need the same forgiveness. And that he is a sinner, and you are a sinner, and we all need the same forgiveness because we are all sinful and flawed people, and we need to minister to one another. So as we continue on to verse 2, we see, the, we see basically the theme of this group of verses. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. We are called, as we have talked about, to help bear people's burdens. The word, in here, the word here for burdened in the Greek is a really heavy burden. It's backbreaking. It's more than a person can reasonably handle on their own. A burden that needs to be shared with someone. So whether we're talking about sin in someone's life or the effect of sin on someone's life or other burdens such as illness, grief, relationship issues, parenting issues, we can find ourselves overwhelmed by our burdens. Question, are you on the lookout for those around you who are overwhelmed by the burdens they are trying to shoulder? Do you have your little antennas up, your radar screen on? As Christians, we are called to come alongside and shoulder those burdens. In the culture of the time that Galatians was written, it was common if someone saw an elderly or frail person overwhelmed by carrying something. Remember, this is the day we didn't have cars, we didn't have pickup trucks, so people would often travel and they would be carrying these big loads on them. And so imagine you see some elderly person or somebody who is sickly and they're 
being crushed by the burden of what they're trying to carry. Well, in that day and age, it was common for people to say, let me take some of that. And they would divide the burden up or, or somebody who was healthy and strong would maybe take that burden from the person and let them walk without having the burden of that load on them. We as Christians should likewise be on the lookout for others who are being buried by emotional burdens, guilt, grief, sorrow, physical issues, financial issues, loneliness, or even just trying just to figure out how to do life in this crazy world we live in. Sometimes seeing, pardon me, seeing how people are burdened and coming alongside of them, holding them up and encouraging them, praying for them, assisting them, pointing them to scripture, helping them with physical needs, or maybe just being a shoulder to cry on or a listening ear. So what does it mean to fulfill the law of Christ? What is the law of Christ? Well, Matthew 22, verse, verses 37 through 40, which is part of what Scott read in the call to worship, Jesus was, when asked by the Pharisees, what is the greatest commandment? How does he respond to them? He says, you shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And these two, and pardon me, on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And then we see in the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, which is part of what Beth Ann read today, Jesus tells us, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You are to love one another. By this people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So the law of Christ is basically put God first in our lives and to love one another. To love one another as we will love ourselves. To love our neighbor as we will love ourselves. To hold others in a higher esteem than we hold ourselves. Earlier in Galatians, Paul tells the Galatians in chapter 3, verse 13, that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. And then later on in chapter 5, verse 18, he says that if we are led by the Spirit, then we are not under the law. So this might bring up a question in your mind. Have we been freed by the curse of the Mosaic law, only to be burdened by this more radical law that Jesus described in the Sermon on the Mount? where he tells us that the law is not just the letter of the law, it is really the spirit of the law. But no, not at all, because there's a big difference. In the Mosaic law, we had this list of do's and don'ts we've already talked about. But the, the Israelites didn't have the changed heart to allow them to better follow the law. They were doing this in their own efforts. But with the new law, those of us who are born again, we have the Holy Spirit to walk with us. Does that mean we're going to do it perfectly? Nope, absolutely not. The pride and rebellion that we have go all the way back to Adam and Eve in the garden. Paul tells us in Galatians 3.24 that the law was our guardian until Christ came. Some translations call it a tutor or a schoolmaster. Basically, the law was there to hopefully tell people, gosh, I really can't fulfill the law in and of myself. 
how am I going to fulfill the law? And that would drive them to see the need for a savior. We as born-again Christians have been given the Holy Spirit to empower us to live the law of Christ. In Matthew 11.30, Jesus tells us that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. I love this quote I found from John Piper. It says, the law of Christ is not easy because it is greasy or permissive. I love that line. I'm not sure why, but I like that line. Greasy and permissive. It is easy because when we are weak, he is strong. It is easy because he produces in us the fruit of love. Earlier in Galatians, in chapter 2, verse 20, we read, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. We are not commanded to do anything in the law of Christ on our own. Every commandment of the law of Christ is a call to faith, to turn to him, to trust to him. As born-again believers, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. In Galatians 5, and 23, we are told, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against which there is no law. So we are empowered to fulfill the law of Christ. Now, does that mean we do it perfectly? Not a chance. Absolutely not. We, are, we As Christians, we are forgiven, but we still have the sinful nature going back to Adam and Eve. But we, we are called to fulfill the laws of Christ. It is not something we are told to do on our own, but through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Hopefully that takes away some of the fear you might have to be a burden bearer. That view of, I'm ill-equipped. Uh, I'm not much of a Bible scholar. I'm a brand new Christian. The Holy Spirit is going to be there to guide you and help you. How many times have you been in a situation where you didn't know what to say, and maybe a Bible verse comes to mind, or you just share a gospel, a simple what you think is a simple gospel truth to somebody, and in their situation, in their mind, it's just a profound thing that just takes away a burden for them. That's the Holy Spirit empowering you. If you've never experienced that, I just say, step out in faith and see what the Lord will do in and through you. We are called to fulfill the law of Christ to love others more than ourselves. And sometimes it's hard work. It is sometimes speaking uncomfortable truth to somebody. Sometimes it's getting out of our comfort zone. Sometimes it's being inconvenienced. Sometimes it'll turn out to be more than expected. That 20-minute conversation may turn into 20 years of walking hand-in-hand with somebody. But we do it in love, not by our own abilities or just because we're good folks, but because the Holy Spirit has empowered us. So let's move on to point number two, which is much shorter than point number one. The call to be a humble burden bearer, verses three through five. In verses three three through five, the text kind of takes a turn. In verses 1 and 2, it focuses on the Christian being a loving and gentle burden bearer. And now in verse 3, Paul takes on our need to be humble as we bear one another's burdens. It is a warning against being arrogant or beginning to think more of ourselves as we come alongside our brothers and sisters in Christ. When we see someone burdened by sin, we need to come speaking biblical truth, but we need to do it in love. 
And not thinking that we are more spiritual or more put together or any other descriptor you want to add in there. We must recognize that we're all struggling with sin. That every Christian has a sin problem. It's often the newer, immature Christian that thinks they have it all under control. The longer you walk with the Lord, the more you understand just how pervasive sin is your life. And the more keenly you realize just how sinful and flawed we are. Years ago, a a pastor who I really, really respected, who was a really genuinely great guy, I remember him, he was probably in his 60s, and when he made this quote, he says, you know, the longer I walk with the Lord, the more I just realize what a wretched sinner I am. And I remember hearing that as a young Christian and just being like, what? You have it all together. You're the man. And now here I am, well into being able to join AARP, and... I realize every day I'm a worse sinner than I ever thought I was because I know the condition of my heart. I know the crazy things that pop into my brain. I know the bad attitudes I have. I know the crazy stuff that pops up in my mind that I have to pray, Lord, where did that come from? Take it away. And so the more we recognize that we have a sin problem, the more humble hopefully we become. It's not an excuse for us to sin, quite the opposite, but it just helps us to recognize how much that we need a Savior. Jeremiah 17.9, a verse probably familiar with to most of us, says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Older translations, I think, say wicked. We begin to understand the power of sin in our life, and we rejoice in the grace that he has given us. Understanding that grace helps us to be compassionate to those brothers and sisters who are being burdened. We can look upon them with love and compassion, recognizing that we ourselves have our own burdens. And by Christ's example, we should be loving and kind burden barriers. When we see someone who has a burden that we can help with, so it's maybe providing a meal to somebody whose family is dealing with an illness. Maybe watching the children of a single mom who really desperately needs some respite. Helping a family who has a financial need. We can do these things in a humble and gracious way. Humbly, th- humbly thanking God that he has blessed us with the ability to bear this burden rather than looking down on them for needing the assistance or puffing ourselves too much thinking, what a great guy I am because I help bear this person's burden. We should be humble. Verses 4 and 5, we are told to let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For we each have to bear our own load. Now, this is probably a little confusing. It was certainly the first time I read this. It's almost as if verse 4 is the opposite of verse 3, and verse 5 is the opposite of verse 2. But what Paul is saying here in verses 4 and 5 is if we're going to rejoice in where we are at spiritually, we need to do it in relation to our own life, our own faith, and according to God's standard. We are not to restore a brother or sister who is in sin and then feel superior. Well, I didn't have to be restored. I don't have a sin problem like Sam has. 
person, anybody here named Sam, I'm not, that's not. <laughs> it is key to remember, again, what Romans 3.23 tells us. We have all sinned. The key word is all there and all fallen short of the glory of God. The world teaches us that we are generally good, and as long as we aren't as bad as the other guy, we can feel good about ourselves. You know, I'm not a mass murderer like Charlie Manson, so I'm a pretty good guy. You know, I haven't done anything really bad, but that's not God's standard. He doesn't grade on a curve. If we have sinned, which we all have, we have fallen short. We have missed the mark. Some people say that we're all born good. We're all born innocent and wonderful. Well, if you've ever been around a two-year-old, you know that that's not true. <laughs> if, you think that, if you think that children are all good and pure, I invite you to go spend some time in the nursery. I hear a lot of laughter. I'm sure the parents all know what that looks like to see your little two-year-old sinner running around. It's just a reminder that we have a sin nature. It's not... It's not what the world tells us, that we're all basically good, but we are. We are all sinners. And we sin far more than we realize. And to have a relationship with a perfect God, we must be sinless. So we can't meet the standard. So if the only way to have a relationship with God is to be sinless, and we can't be sinless, what's the solution? Well, that's where the gospel, the good news of Christ's redeeming work on the cross, comes in. It's through Jesus' perfect life, who took upon himself the sins of all who have put their trust in him. He paid the price of those sins by dying on the cross and then resurrecting on that first Easter morning. For those who have placed their trust in Christ and the finished work of the cross, our record of sin and shame and failure, the mistakes that we have made, the shame and the guilt has been replaced by the perfect record of Jesus Christ. Now, that's something to be excited about on January 1st. God looks upon us and no longer sees sinful Steve, but he sees his son. That, my friends, is truly an amazing thing. And that's what we need to focus on in our own lives and, in, and as we're bearing others' burdens. We need to focus on the amazing grace that the true Christian has been given. That we have been given an unmerited favor, an undeserved clean slate, had an unpayable debt canceled due to the grace of God. So rather than feeling good about ourselves, that we are more together than the other guy, or don't have as many issues as the other guy, we should be overwhelmed with joy and thankfulness and worship. Because the reality is, is we're all a mess. And we all need to focus on growing in the knowledge and grace of Jesus Christ and be very, very, very thankful for the grace he has shown us. So as we start to wind down, let's take a few minutes and see how we can put some rubber on the road about being a burden bearer. First, as we just kind of talked about, remember the gospel. Remind yourself who you are in Christ each day. Thank God for the amazing grace in your life. Recognize your need for a Savior and be very thankful that he has become that Savior for you. Get involved. Become part of a ministry. Join a house-to-house group. Come to church early and stay late and get to know your faith family. Step out of your comfort zone. 
take a meal to a family in need that you don't know very well, or maybe not know at all. Ask someone you don't know how you can pray for them. Increase your love for one another. Try praying through the membership directory. If you start praying systematically through the membership directory, I guarantee you are going to have a greater love for your church family. There's nothing like praying people to draw your heart closer to them and increase your love for them. And don't be afraid to admit when you have a burden that you need help bearing. Sometimes that's hard. For some of us, that's very hard. We like to put on this facade that we have it all together. But if you need, if you have a burden, if you need help, talk to your church family. We're here. We're here not to be judgmental, but to bear your burdens together. Being transparent and vulnerable is hard, but it pays great dividends. And lastly, don't underestimate how the Lord can use you when you come alongside one, side someone and bear their burdens. Many of you know, two and a half years ago, my wife and I both got COVID-related pneumonia and my wife passed away from it. I was sick for nearly a month. The love of the members of this body helped sustain me in my darkest hour. From encouraging texts and phone calls to meals brought to my house, I have vivid memories of friends sitting on my front porch, socially distanced, talking to me because they knew I needed someone to talk to in the middle of blazing July heat. Your love and encouragement was simply amazing. And I know many people in this fellowship have similar stories. Be on the lookout and available to minister to one another, to bear burdens, to encourage and build up. That's how God designed us Christians to be, to share the love that he has shown us and empowered us with. As the song goes, they will know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they will know we are Christians by our love. And for those of you who are here today who maybe have not truly put your trust in Christ or you have questions about it, what a wonderful way it would be to begin 2023 by putting your trust in Him today. If you haven't put your trust in Christ, come talk to me after service. Talk to Bo. Talk to somebody at the connection counter. Talk to the person who brought you to church. Talk to the person who's sitting next to you. We would love to talk to you, answer your questions, and just guide you through becoming a Christian, repenting of your sins, and coming to know Christ as, as your Lord and Savior. Guarantee you, you will not regret that decision. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this for this passage, Lord, for this reminder, Lord, that we are to bear one another's burdens. Lord, we are so thankful, Lord, that you don't ask us to do these things of our own abilities. But you guide us, you empower us through your Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that this would not just be some knowledge, some time spent just listening to God's word, but it would be it would move the mark in our lives that we would have a greater desire to minister to one another, a greater desire to be used by you. And also remember, 
just how much grace that you have shown us, Lord, and that that grace would permeate our lives and cause us to truly worship and thank you in all things. And we say this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.